Welcome back to this month's Real Estate Roundtable, your all-in-one comprehensive view of what's happening across the real estate industry, straight from some of the industry's earliest technology adopters and foremost experts in technology, marketing, capital, construction, and cybersecurity. As always, this is a three-part show, part one, introductions, what's happening with each of our roundtable hosts, part two, a sector focus, paradigm shifts, what, what is the biggest change or news? in their spaces and part three what does it really mean for your business what can you do over the next 30 days to continue to thrive i'm andreas senny founder siri collaborative brokerage owner and technology growth strategist and joining me this month is none other than saul klein founder of realtown futurist strategist trainer speaker car wash owner and future economic indicator presenter saul nice to have you back always good to be back all right. Uh, Rebecca Carlson, president and CEO of Carlson Integrated, past president of NICAR Association, and my favorite marketing maven. That's their tagline. Rebecca, nice to be back hey. from Europe. Some new tips and new tricks, I hope. Glad to be here. Thank you, Andreas. And joining us all the way from one of the Great Lakes this month, Anna Maria Kowalik. Welcome back. Hey. SVP Director of Business Development in the Green Capital. All things green. CPACE Construction. Anna, welcome. Thank you very much. And uh, being that I'm I'm coming to you from the lakes of Minnesota, uh, I uh, missed uh, having 4th of July, but this is 4th of July week here uh, all over. Uh, but uh, back home, uh, there was a uh, horrible tragedy in, in Highland Park. And so I'd just like to ask for a moment of silence just in honor of those who lost their lives thank Absolutely. you okay and last but not least and chris abel director of membership at the connecticut associated builders and contractors all things construction one of my favorite people to talk to here about the northeast education and really labor and what's the the nitty-gritty the building of it all chris welcome back absolutely happy to be here as always thank you chris a special congratulations to professor darren hayes for his anniversary he will not make it this evening he's busy at home uh taking some some needed rest with that thank you guys as always for tuning in we have a great show lined up for you cannot wait to talk about the economic trends the different things that are happening starting as usual with you saul what's going on with this car wash let's start there and we'll and we'll lift off you know i you got me looking at this stuff more carefully now <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so when we years ago when we went from just a coin changer to um to taking credit cards that was a major change and what we then could see is which stalls did the best what time of day they did the best this is real interesting right and could we do things to enhance one stall over another if we blocked what right so we could do all these things because we had information that we never had before well now as we I just got me looking at this you know, I always know that when it does better and when it doesn't, but I never really bother to correlate anymore why or why it might not and what I can do about it, right? So I sent you some financials on the car wash. So this is the time of year that the car wash is better. As with many businesses, it's seasonal, 
time of year is better than the other time of year. So when you look at month after month, month to month, or back a year, that's what we look at. How did we do last July uh, or last June, last May? How did we do this May, this June? And so the trend has to be, and when I looked at the numbers, I shared them with you, that it was up. Right, and they were up about 10, 12 percent, as a matter of fact. Now, what can I attribute that to? And I want to say, you know what? When the car wash business is up, what's it? What's it happening with inflation? Are there any correlations here? What's happening with home sales? What's happening with vacancies? What happened? And somehow, can I tie that car wash? Some factors from car wash, which are you know kind of blue collar folks, working folks, living in apartment buildings. Is there any correlation that we can establish um, with? maybe being able to forecast economically. So I would tell you that the car wash business is looking good. Is that good or bad? Well, it tells you that more people are washing their cars. Um, we increased the prices a couple of months ago. It hasn't been affected. Again, we're up over 12%. So things are good uh, at the car wash and the business is good. That also means the sun is shining. And that is a major factor in owning a car wash. Well, you're in the right lo location, location, location. I hesitate to say it. California is great for car washes. Great, uh, in a great business considerably. Uh, as the owner, of cash business, and, and I think you touched on a great point. Uh, you said you now have the ability to to monitor and look into things, and that's really where the industry is gone. It's realizing that hey, Tuesday's my slow day. Let me let me put a discount out there and marketing it out. And, and correlating that just right over real estate. What assets, what markets, where can I do better? Where can I shore up my, my, my business, even if it's prospecting? Because you can look at the data. Whether or not you take the time to look at the data, that's another story, right? But we know now that you can make intelligent, better, smarter decisions because information is available to you that's never been available before. It's true. I, I it often, available, but very more, much more difficult to, to get your hands on. I often would say that uh, we're we are in the luckiest point with technology because there's the technology is there to go get as much business as we want. If you're willing to do the work, you you can go knock on doors. You can let your fingers do the walking. You can find the information. Those putting it out there, of course, being the marketers out there getting it right in front of us all the time, such as Becca Carlson. Are you are you in shock returning to the U.S.? Now that we're welcome it is, back. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's so my daughter and I had a wonderful vacation. And as expected, it always triggers marketing ideas. I actually if you know, if this marketing thing doesn't work for me, I'm gonna be a food importer. A hundred percent. I had some wonderful snacks that I can't find here, including and I can't believe I'm telling everybody this because I think this is the most genius snack in the world. We were on a train going to Berlin and there was this pretzel and then you bit into it. It was filled with butter, which is maybe not like the healthiest snack, but it was delightful. It was the best pretzel I've ever had in my life. And it was like a mass produced in plastic snack that they were just handing out as, you know, local fare. Like I said, if marketing doesn't work out, I've got a second career lined up for third career i don't you know <laughs> oh it's fantastic look uh, food, well you're a foodie so I, I can say that right is everybody on the call a foodie relatively um but it being in europe uh, did you notice any any similarities to our markets anything going on there that, that you want to jump out at us besides the vacation spots and the food while, while we're talking <laughs> So I would say that there are, and we were in a number of capitals and major cities, so it was a Baltic cruise, so we visited no fewer than 
nine cities in 10 days. The development differs depending on the cities. There are factors that we haven't ever had to consider, like rebuilding after World War II. So, so the, the span of our architecture over a vast period of time is considerably different than we experience here in the U.S. But it is great to see cranes. It's great to see commerce working. It was wonderful to see the sea transport and things like that. Obviously, there's been some impact and the impact of the of the Ukrainian and Russian war is considerable. We were in Poland for one of those days, but it's also was really neat to speak with our guide in Helsinki about how they're integrating families already into the school system, how the refugees are, are really being welcomed and experiencing a new home. So those pieces, right, whenever you have population increase, there are gonna be real estate needs. Mm-hmm. Well, but it's then- retail follows rooftops. That's what I always learned. Oh, that's that's a good one. I'm going to borrow that one. <laughs> but you touched on it, World War, of course, paradigm shifts. So the paradigm shift, not just COVID. Here, COVID, that's the big, but there, of course, the Ukrainian war. And uh, it sounds like you did see cranes. Were those unfinished products because of labor shortages? I don't know. But I know, Chris, you and I touched a bit on this prior to the call. How are things in construction overall You know, here in the U.S.? It's busy, but it's just tough. Like, you know, the, 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 I'm seeing the cranes the same the same way, but it's a matter of, okay, is there anyone actually in that in that seat and actually operating? And if they are doing it now, will they be doing it in the next few years? So, yeah, I mean, a lot of different, um, a lot of different issues going on uh, right now. But, you know, this time of year, I'm, I'm in Connecticut this time of year. This is going to be a busy time for construction regardless. It's always going to be busy. There's always going to be projects to be built. There's no shortage of actual construction going on, but there are. Uh, there's also no shortage of stress from a lot of the business owners that I'm dealing with. And the, uh, you know, I, I joked around with someone yesterday and said, hey, I would love to be about 20 years younger and getting into the construction industry right now because just seeing how the uh, you know some of the wage growth and the demand of a of you know the skilled trades uh in general where they are and where they're going i mean it would be great it'd be great to be in that position but being that i'm not in that position um in a spot where i'm just trying to help solve problems for uh for a lot of different companies and a lot of different members and you know Trying to find new and innovative ways for them to get the jobs done and get people on the job. So, and I'm, I also am here in Connecticut and I, there's a few sites here that I'm going to pick your brain on off call that are not busy. So they might be acquisition opportunities. They may need CPACE funding. Anna Marie, I'm coming to you and I'm coming Mm -hmm. back around Mm -hmm. to economic indicators. Absolutely. Cap rates, the gap between our investors and our owners. I mean, the market is, we're at that. What a, a tipping point, I would say, where investors coming in are, are, are nowhere near what the owners want to sell for, and now they're willing to wait. And as I understand it, Anna Maria, you and I were talking about this, CPACE is, is a good inflationary hedge in that regard. Lending there is still active. I mean, that's growing. And all of which brings me back to the economic indicators of this car wash saw. How did you do in the last quarter compared to prior quarter, comparatively? Better. I got him on the... <laughs> so so people out there spending money even though realtors are now riding in their clients cars to save gas well money, you know sure. you got to say at what level right look at yeah. the demographic and you know people but 
we're getting a lot more car washes than we we got in the past now remember this is there are limitations right because if an average car wash lasts five even if you went 100 percent occupancy let's say you know there's a limitation on just what that can do there is a vacancy factor right so our effort is to decrease the amount of time that those stalls are empty and it seems like uh, they're just they're more and more those stalls are active and people are using them and uh and that's a, to me, that's a good sign. At least there's activity. It's all about momentum, you know, and moving. And I, I just had an interesting thought. And uh, Anna Maria, correct me if I'm wrong. Can Saul upgrade his his car wash because go green? All C pays financing in theory because he's upgrading. In theory, yeah, be, exactly. That's kind of an interesting. Also, thought. Now listen, now here's something. Think about water it. conservation measures, and why not add renewable energies to oh, it as no, well? No. So Especially this, Southern in, California. <laughs> in California now, in San Diego, mm -hmm. the, you can't wash your cars unless you go to a car wash. So they just wow. passed an ordinance that says you have to go to a car wash. Now, you love laws like that, right? <laughs> you, you do. Yeah, you, you do. do. <laughs> but that's another factor. You know, it's just like, what are what are the forces, the four great forces that influence value? Physical, social, economic, and political. Those are the four great forces that influence value, right? Physical, social, economic, and political. And so here we have with this very basic kind of business, right? A car wash, where you can actually see those forces mm -hmm. affecting the value. And of course, the value then comes out of the cash flow. And cash flow is what everybody buys. And I saw an interesting phrase the other day. It was something like cash flow... Cash flow feeds you. Net 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 worth is for bragging. Cash flow is for eating. And it had to do with buying a property. If you're going to hold it long term, you know the rents didn't get cut. Value might have got cut in half, but the rent didn't get cut in half. And so people that buy and buy to hold, even no matter what in the cycles, they typically will do okay. But I thought that was a great phrase, right? Yeah, your your net worth's gone down, and but net worth is for bragging, and cash flow is for eating. That's true. There, there are a lot of developers, owners. Uh, you know, the numbers on a lot of these projects, syndication deals, the distributions are going to tighten up. The numbers, the projections aren't going to look as good. But if that cash flow is there, you can you can fall back and, and focus on your core and make it through. You just got to tighten your belt, just like mom and uh, mom and Joe and any of the regular businesses, a car wash. Even. You just reduce expenses. If I get back to Anna Maria, the, and you're yeah. right. The more that we that we can do something that uh, can cut the cost, and if that's environmentally friendly at the same time, then that's a totally. no-brainer, right? That's the absolutely, and that's what we're based on: is it being a no-brainer, uh, and and you know, in in trying to grow the program nationwide because it's still kind of in its infancy, uh, with only ten years behind us, you know, and and so it it really uh, takes a lot of education on it uh, to bring it forward so that people feel comfortable with it and, and find a trust factor in it. Because uh, when something's so new and it almost sounds too good to be true, you know, uh, do I want to take a risk on this? But 
you're risking more by not trying it out because, uh, like you said, there are so many different other costs involved, uh, environmental and uh, the green money as well, too, you know, because, uh, you know, why why spend all that extra on the utilities and, and, and being wasteful? And, and so, especially for car washes, oh, it, they're a hot item in the industry, actually, right now. I love it. Well, and, and when you think about it, the easiest way to cut costs is to prove, improve efficiency. So upgrading those those machines so that vacuum only goes for one minute instead of two and a half minutes at half the power. That sounds green to me. Automatically. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what we say about HVAC replacements. Automatically, just by virtue, you know, the units are typically 18 to 25 years old that are getting changed out. And so with the new technologies, they're definitely more energy efficient to begin with. And so just by virtue of changing them out, you're already automatically there. The back uh, over to you, I know you're back from vacation and unfair as it is, anything uh, any big changes or I want to say like reductions in marketing are people starting to pull back on on those areas because they're saying, let me focus my funds on the core. So I haven't seen it yet, but I am doing my you know third and fourth quarter strategic planning. And part of that is creating a process and a mechanism so that clients can can execute their own marketing plans providing, so we're literally putting packages together now where we can create the plan and create the structure around it and the chart the progress and check in with them and those sorts of pieces, but that they can self-execute, recognizing oh. that it may be harder for some clients to hire an outside agency or uh, an outside a set of, couple mm-hmm. sets of hands to help them. And that, that, that's fantastic. A do-it-yourself toolbox after the fact sort of like here's your toolbox follow our process back to our back to our original discussion as a group the four of us uh anna maria prior to your time about just rewriting your your processes let's go back to basics but we're not rewriting anything for most of us on this call we've all been in this space 2008 Saul, you were here prior to So, not calling you out or anything, Saul. <laughs> no, he's the he's the internet evangelist for for real estate. I mean, that's it's a self proclaimed title. Um, so ninety two. Let's go ninety two in two thousand eight. What you've seen this before, I'm, I imagine. Anything new with technology here that that you'd like to point out that's happening with us as real estate professionals, marketers, and financing. There's lots of, of you talking real estate finance today. You know, it's well, interesting. Yeah. Right. So things just kind of move along and things happen in the background. And all of a sudden people say, How, when did that happen? And uh, boy, that happened overnight. Can't believe. Right. So I w- would say that um, there are many things taking place in the on the mortgage side and will creep over to the real estate side regarding technologies, transaction efficiencies, visibility, transparency around risk, uh, being able to better grade in the secondary money market. So all that, all those things are happening. And, and so there are going to be major changes to people without pinpointing. And so what I like to 
to say to people this question, you know, it's currently possible. And if it were impossible, it fundamentally changed the way you do business. And what if certain things that you take for granted that you do today, what if they're not possible tomorrow? Or what if certain things that are not possible today in your business would be possible tomorrow? And look at that with regarding technology, you know, regarding technology. And my kind of thoughts about this, at least over the last five or six years, is everything I ever thought would never be is is here. And so I can't even my my for a while I, I couldn't even imagine science fiction anymore. Because anything someone would say to me, I would say, I've seen bigger I've seen more bigger deals than that already. Oh that that's nothing. That's nothing. So I kept thinking I can wrap my arms around that science fiction. And what I think I can again. There are things that I'm looking at today that lead me to way out kind of thoughts around these newer technologies and then some that apply to real basic things and i'll just jump into one because i think it's critical today and it's the whole concept of fractionalization and it's how blockchain affects that you saw a piece that i published of two real of car wash tokens mm -hmm. right and what's the to people want to talk nfts tokens nfts and people don't even know what tokens are how can they talk about nfts non-fungible tokens well no they don't even remember in their mind what a token is and what a token does and only when you understand that can you begin to understand beyond that but this idea of fractionalization and the fact that blockchain you can do many more transactions less expensively quicker and what does that entail and what's taking place and so we've always fractionalized real estate that's what happens somebody buys a piece of property they subdivide it when they subdivide it, it increases the value of the individual parcels somebody builds on it in, in right so the whole idea in real estate's been fractionalization corporations are fractionalization right so but it takes a while to process this so what you were i'm seeing today is some technologies around fractionalizing certain types of interest in real property around things i never thought would take place before because people believe that if they do that there are going to be markets for this and blockchain is the technology that makes it run and ice people say well people are going to be priced out of the real estate market you're not going to be able to buy your home and maybe the time in which you buy your first home might be later in life than it now is but there are going to be other opportunities to buy real estate at 25 dollars a piece and some blockchain investment somewhere it's all happened there there's a few apps i've come across where you buy a fractional ownership interest in your first you know investment property not a security but or, right because you know, not a security but really right. very similar so yeah absolutely fractionalized interest and, well and then you look at uh, just us talking to each other like this and to all kinds of other listeners uh i mean you know pre-covid we weren't doing it as much and yes the technology was there but it's really come such a long way and especially for like becca and myself uh i'm doing business development and her with the marketing i mean we get out there and we're uh kind of all over the place at once and uh, and I remember watching the Jetsons as a kid. <laughs> Anybody who I may be dating myself, uh, but the Jetsons was my favorite cartoon. And here they, I, I love the flying cars, gotta admit it. But more than that, I, I wanted the phone where you could see a person on the other end. And, and wow, you know, it's come true in my lifetime. So that's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they have flying cars. We just—they're not yes, mass-produced. They do exist too. And we're, yeah, I want, I want that one that you know goes up, parks itself, drives you around, you know, and all that. It's all going to happen. They're going to geocode from the surface of the Earth to a, a thousand miles up, 
and the vehicles will know what quadrants they fly in. It'll be automatic, and there'll be no accidents. You'll get in it. It'll go up. It'll find where it's supposed to go. It'll go there. That's all going to happen. That, that'll be great for my retirement. I can have my own driver. <laughs> I know. I know on the uh, I know on the contractor side of things, the embracing of, of technology more more than anything. I mean, it's it's about. I mean, this is for. Um, all sorts of different businesses, but from what I see, I mean, it's about survival. If they're not embracing the all this technology that's out there at this point, it's the difference between, you know, uh, getting on the next job and closing up shop, or passing it on to the next generation, or or or, or just calling it a day, or selling it off to to someone who's not a family member who you know is embracing technology. And the the same thing on even on the the marketing side, um, Becca, you probably see some of this. There, and I think I might have mentioned this a couple, a few months back, but uh, I'm noticing with the, the hiring, we're seeing more, I'm seeing more companies taking marketing dollars and put it into the, into the HR side of things and into the hiring side to market their companies and market to get that attraction where they're not necessarily marketing all the work that they do to get more business. They're trying to figure out where to spend their dollars, you know, is it going to go that in that direction or is it going to go in a way of attracting the people that can actually do the work so when we have the work we don't get caught with our pants down and not not be able to complete the job it's it's such a such an an odd you know shift that was the first thing i thought about becca when you mentioned kind of that do-it-yourself type of thing so they can kind of take that role with it to still cover that base but also cover the base of trying to market their uh their company in a way to attract the right people it's, it's very it's a, it's interesting. a weird time it's interesting time. It's for sure. fascinating that you say that because I would say over the past two months, we've had four or five clients who've asked us to help them with structuring advertisements for hiring and writing yeah. job descriptions. Like, I didn't know. Like, I, I used to hire for my old company. And so I've done a lot of job descriptions in my career. Sure. I just never thought of it as part of our marketing services. One of my team members has well over a decade in HR experience. So we are adept at that HR piece. But I never thought of it as being part of our business. And suddenly it's become a part of our business because yeah. it is that attracting new talent is such a big piece of it. And people are using online platforms to do that. And if... We have clients that are already not as adept at some of the online platforms and they need a little bit of hand-holding. Well, you better believe they need hand-holding placing the job ad on LinkedIn. Yeah. And there are a lot of places they're expecting, like the, 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 potential, the potential employee is expecting the first interview to be like this. Yeah. They're not expecting to have to get dressed up and show up at eight or nine o'clock in the morning and park at a visitor spot. They're expecting that first and maybe even that second interview. I spoke with a friend of mine earlier and, you know, three interviews and they've all been virtual. And I said, well, where's, you know, the job must be farther away. She's like, no, it's, it's like a half hour away. It's in this town. And I was like, where, where, are, you know, when, when are they going to call you in to Check all, you know, body language. I, this is going in the back of my head. Body language is the handshake. And I'm like, all right, am I dating myself or what is what's going on here? But yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Well, the world, the world today is changing. Uh, and you touched on, uh, Becca, you touched on something interesting there. You and, and Chris, the people coming in, this crossover or spillover of responsibilities almost. People are expected to know more and do more, uh, which... I don't know. Being a generalist is fantastic and it's important, but 
Bob McCone's a, a friend of mine and, and specializing in a, in your field, being a specialist and being and committing yourself to excellence in that field or in that space is also important. So how much of it, how broad can you really go? That's I'm seeing the same here. Generalist brokers, generalist everything. I don't think labor shortage or not, I think that is a contributing factor to to this separation between the old school and new school. You, you can't do it this way. Well, you know, I, you talk about the labor, though, the, uh, you know, people that you hire at different levels expecting that they have certain technology skills. I think that just comes with the territory, and that's not new. I mean, I remember when we had to say, you know, do you know how to use email? Do you know how to get information off of this? True. And do you know how to use Word? You know how to use Excel? And people come to and people could say they knew it. We actually had tests when we people came in, so we could find out. And then a lot of times people hiring didn't know how to use the things that the people who we right. But they but everybody knows how to use these things now. That businesses adapted and people adapted and adopted based on their needs. And I think it's not any more, the technologies today are certainly no more difficult. People are certainly more more used to using these kinds of things and their generational piece. But I, I think that that there's, there is a lot and there always has been since we started uh, with personal computers back in 1980-whatever. <laughs> um, and the construction side, are, are people ex expected to know more? Like a pro core, for instance, is that is that a trait for labor wise, Chris? I would I would say I mean there's a there's a whole slew of different programs, and it's a matter of what a particular company might be looking for. Obviously, when you're talking about you know when you're talking about uh, things like pro core, that might be a little more of the the standard but there's also companies that are looking for very you know specific things and if you if you have just that niche where hey i've used this i've used that um and you show a little bit of a stable of what you can do they say well if they learn those things then we could teach them um something else um it's funny so the first i when you mentioned uh back in the day of people not knowing you know do you know how to use email and things like that? I remember um, when I first started working within the school systems, I always got a kick out of the students who would bring in a resume or put in a resume um, that had someone else's email address on it. <laughs> the name, the name, name didn't match. But to, to your point, though, um, Andreas, yeah, I mean, there's there's kind of your standard softwares and your standard programs, but also, you know, your other type of uh, elements that, you know, are expected if you're an electrician, if you're working in HVAC, there's certain pieces of equipment that they want to make sure that, you know, do you know how to use this? Are, are you proficient in it? How, how proficient are you in actually learning something um, new if we're willing to train you on it? Because, um, by the way, we're going to pay you more than you would have got paid. I mean, there's been like an 8% like wage increase since like 2019 in the construction industry, something like that. So, Hey, we're going to pay you more than you would have got paid six months to two years ago to three years ago. So we want to make sure that we're making the right hire of someone that can actually uh, pick this stuff up and, and go. And if you actually know this stuff to begin with, that's going to make it a little bit easier for us to, to, to write that check um, every, every couple of weeks. Uh, well, even in our small pace industry that's very new, um, there are folks putting together different programs uh, for uh, consolidating bids 
proposals and term sheets and um, and and comparing uh, uh, programs uh, across the nation and uh, what those um, uh, qualifications and requirements are, for example. And so, um, yeah, there there are kind of very specific areas and niches where uh, you, you can see more of this advancement as well. Well, and CPACE itself is a newer product. It's a whole new segment mm-hmm. to, to lending, mm-hmm. to capital. Is Has construction helped you get the word out? Has it helped you grow this much further and faster, mm-hmm. not in comparison to, let's say, a Realtor.com or a, another legislation, another product? Would you say that that's true? You, you were doing well. You know, before. I, I, I've seen a uh, a huge growth in the new construction arena uh, with mm-hmm. CPACE being used a lot more as that gap filler uh, in the capital stack. And so, uh, although originally the original premise uh, for CPACE uh, was to help. Uh, aging building stock uh, get improved and become more energy efficient and uh, and to be available to the small commercial property owner as well as you know a large developer or uh, etc so so it, it's kind of branched out in in different ways and uh, and and that all is uh, necessity based you know and and so uh, one thing that we are seeing lately as far as trends uh, deals are beginning to take a little longer again uh, at first it was covid uh, now it's uh, the fact that or it's even though some of the supply chain issues have uh, uh, resolved uh, in the construction industry, but there are still are some. Uh, there still are many, uh, but it's just that it's it. The construction process is taking longer. The uh, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. I maybe you're seeing some of these same trends as well. And so uh, this has been really you know stretching out our deal time uh, as far as you know wh- what we're seeing for C pace. Uh, and I'm sure that it affects other aspects of the industry as well. Uh, absolutely, and Chris, jump in at any time. The Many deals from everyone I'm talking with, architects, developers, all you hit it right on the head. It's no longer a supply shortage. It's no longer, and to this conversation, it's not even a labor shortage. From what I'm hearing, it's this, this extended time that was brought on first by the supply shortage, now by the labor shortage, and now with the inflation increase in rates, all of these deals are kind of like stuck. And that was what I alluded to earlier: is plenty of sites here with cranes on them. Back to your point, but there's nobody in them. <laughs> They're just there. And the investment groups are here and we're kind of talking and all of a sudden we're just miles apart, uh, which is my biggest concern as a broker in the area is, all right, well, if we can't make a deal, you know, and then there's no movement here, these are going to stay empty. And then what are we going to do? We're going to start to have a depressed area. You know, uh, lights off is, is detrimental to all of the tenants, empty centers. Um, unless you're in Shelton, which is doing fantastic, come to Shelton, call me. We love this market. I, what, go ahead. No, one one thing that I'm seeing. I know we talked about. I think I mentioned this back a couple of months ago. Um, one thing that I'm seeing uh, is the school projects. So the colleges, the colleges and those projects, 
those are active. They're very active. The contracts are very strict and they need to get these things done while the students are gone for the summer. And there's, um, you know, state money and there's federal money and there's other money wrapped up there. So I see the schools in, at least in my area, um, and I, I don't necessarily know about the middle schools or high schools. I'm talking more of the college campuses that I'm driving through or that I, you know, larger, larger, you know, the ones that you're going to drive through on a, on, a, on a regular basis where you're going to kind of, you're going to see these things. They're not in the back roads like maybe some of the, some of the high schools or middle schools, but those college, those college uh, campuses seem to be very active. Um, I've spoken to a bunch of people that have been on those jobs that aren't necessarily members that I deal with every day. Literally, I'm starting conversations with people where I'm grabbing my coffee in the morning to find out what's going on over at Wesleyan and Middletown, what's going on over down at Yale and New Haven, what's going on at these places, uh, University of Hartford, all these different places, and they're just they're they're busy because these contracts need to get fulfilled. Now, a lot of these companies know that that money's there. That money's they're getting that money. It's 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 either been paid to them or it's going to get paid to them. The checks are good, so it's pulling people off of their you know some of their smaller jobs and some of those jobs that you're talking about where there is that that balance of you know well we're not going to get this these parts over there for another six months anyway, so we might as well put these people on the campus mm -hmm. and have them just let's knock this job out um, because the colleges are always going to have jobs going on when i was when i was younger i used to joke and say yeah i go to yale every year i go to yale every summer people thought i was you know trying like i was a student i was like no no, no. i did i did commercial hardwood floors for years there's oh, yeah. always going to be stuff going on at the colleges and in the school system much like healthcare, um construction you're just as good as your last job. So if you show and prove at those positions, those GCs are going to bring back you as a sub. Those people who are working in those in UConn, Yale, all these different schools, they're going to bring you back as a CM or a GC. If you get the job done, you're going to continue to get work at those those schools. So it all of a sudden it becomes a, uh, a much more of a priority-based situation to make sure they can get a check to pay their employees, to keep their employees. Because if you have a project manager who's not happy and not getting paid, they're going to find somewhere else to go. Um, take it out. What is the offers. what is the real difference between those college jobs and uh, say you know uh, uh, an elementary school or what? It's where the money comes from. Right. Uh, you've got more private infusion. You've got tuition being paid on the one end, and on the other, you know, you've got a public uh, scenario in in most cases, and and that is where uh, you know. Uh, CPACE finds its, uh, you know, in the private institutions because it's it's the private investment in private projects that we're dealing with, and so you know, uh, I, I do see the difference uh, in those two segments and why you see that market difference in uh, jobs getting done as well. Absolutely. So I used to know people that like were tradespeople, right? They, but they ran their own businesses. I had a very good friend who was a plaster, right? Mm -hmm. And he owned his own business and he passed the business on to his son and he built up of you know people who would hire him. He built a book of business. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds because there's such a shortage of skilled labor today, it sounds like maybe this is a good time for an entrepreneur, and maybe not, but for somebody who wants to build their own business as a plasterer, as a carpenter, as a 
trade skillsmen and yeah. build their own little business and work for general. Co- this might be a time to build that kind of book of business mm-hmm. because there's such a, such a shortage. Absolutely, I've That's seen great. I've seen some really really good. Um, uh, re- there's some really good stories or of people doing that around here that I've seen, um, you know, young electricians, you know, very young electricians, uh, very young, um, you know, drywall, you know, they, they, they just, they know how to do it. They decided to grab onto it. Um, and then there was uh, first thing that popped into mind. Um, there's a caulking company and they are, they're just, you know, they're known to be really, really good. So they could basically pick and choose their jobs, and they've built they built such a strong business. I actually spoke to the son about a month ago, and I was happy to hear that he's taking it on, um, and he's going to he's going to do fine. He's going to he's going to make Boku money and, and and do great as long as he as long as he keeps his head in the game. And it's going to be more technology based when <laughs> with him coming into play, you know. Just because he's younger and he has has the wherewithal or his background, but what you're saying is we should all go into construction. Let's do it. <laughs> so why do you have a labor shortage? There's something in us here. Yeah. Well, uh, skilled, the skilled labor in particular. That's what's hard to replace, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. So fair yeah. Point. The skilled the skilled labor side is just it's just hard to replace. I mean, I spent I spent over ten years in the schools talking to students, and I mean, I was just speaking to a, to someone yesterday who had to let a couple people go last week because he didn't plan on it, but basically he went down to, you know, he went down to a site and they were already gone. It wasn't Friday. It was Thursday at three o'clock and they were just, they they decided to take off. And then he already knows that part of the reason is because they want to get off an hour earlier. So they have an extra hour of free time. Literally, this is what they're saying too. And then another one wants to be able to, it it just doesn't work that way. You got, you know, you got, unfortunately got to stay when, stay till, till, you know, the job is done. And yeah, it is what it is. Like I said, I used to I used to be in in those uh, in those spaces and be on those job sites. And you know, there were times where we'd get you know be able to knock off early and maybe get home a little bit. There'd be times where you know you know you're staying there a certain time. It's just it's it's that skilled uh, the the interest the interest there is really just wavering right now as well, to what they actually want to do. A, y- a younger person, what's what they actually want to do. Well, that, so you mentioned something interesting there about you know, I need an hour of free time. Work-life balance is incredibly important. Absolutely. I did not do this very well for a long time, but the last two years have been great. That's an inside joke. My wife's watching; she better be. <laughs> uh, the so work-life balance, and it, it especially now trying times. Forty hours is really sixty hours. Uh, at least in real estate, apparently 40 is 30 in construction, and I'm really going to go hang shit <laughs> after this call, essentially, yeah. um, at least a couple days a week. So labor shortage, this new generation, the retail, re- what I'm hearing similar to your I need one hour of my time is I'm not going to do that because I don't feel like doing it. That I can't do that right now. That's, that's it. You know, you're my employee. You're going to do it because I need you to do it. No, I don't do that. That's somebody else. Which boggles me. Like when you show up to work, you're there to get things done. Whatever needs to get done, you get done. Uh, I'll never forget it. My first restaurant I worked in ever. Guys in a suit and tie, nine celebrities out front. The owner, he's washing dishes in the back. Why? Because he owned the place and it had to get done. Whatever you do, you just get in there and do it. Although, as as Becca pointed out, you're doing you're 
we've got all these generalists doing everything, but unwilling to do certain things, as Chris said, or taking off early. What can we do or what do we do now? I mean, finance is in the same boat, assumably. Are you guys having the same new, not new, I'm sorry, I don't want to say generational change, this shift in work dynamic? Hey, wait, before, people, you, before you go, uh, I, want to, I want to give you a You want to jump in? Yeah, I want to jump in on this life balance thing. Life balance. <laughs> From, not Hawaii. John's I think, it's, I think it's, a, it's totally overrated. You know, the only person that should be able to tell you that you need a life balance is your spouse, your partner, not anybody else. Because if you're in business and you're trying to build a business, if you're not at a point in your life where you have enough put away so that you you better be working day in and day out, that's the nature of it. You know what? You get rewarded for your efforts if you're in construction or real estate or some of that. That's one of the reasons you're in it because you get rewarded for your efforts. Right. And if that means you work seven days a week, 20, you do what it takes. It relates to what you just said. You do what it takes to get the job done. It doesn't matter what your general is you do what it, although we know that maybe that's a factor these days but you do it and life balance is great but it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and you just can't life balance isn't the number one thing that you put on the list right you got to eat you got to breathe and you got to eat and those have high priority oh, the, the other the other right. side of it with the uh, you know my next question for that person who mentioned the you know the want the one hour off was okay well i have a quick question for you what what's the quality of work when they are working and they kind of oh, oh. i'm like that's your answer right there they weren't ready to do it in the first place if they weren't doing the job in the first place then who cares if you give them an hour off or eight hours off but you're gonna have to go find uh somebody else and even going back to the marketing for some of these positions you know I've seen some some of the marketing for some positions at this point, and it's making it seem like a you know a dream, a dream. And I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, there's, you know, this is a whole other conversation. But suicide prevention is a huge thing in in construction as well. And it's like you're you got this dr dream job. Here's how it's going to be, and then someone finally slides into it, and it's not what they're like. There's, I I feel like. The people that I see being successful are the people that are being very realistic with the people that they sit in front of them and say, here, here, here's the deal. You're working from this time to this time. We're going to pay you handsomely, but this is what is expected, and this is rigorous, and there's things. The, the, the biggest issue, like I said before, is, is just that, that interest, that real interest of having someone walk in who might be a little bit younger to say, you know what? I'm... I'm clean, you know. I'm 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 eager. I'm ready to go. And maybe someone who's a little more seasoned going. Listen, I'm 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 I don't get into trouble. I'm clean. I'm sober. I'm here. I go. I'm ready. And there's just those those people are at a um, are at a much smaller uh, percentage in, av in availability than you know. Let's say. I mean, I'm just throwing number 30, 40 years ago. The, the you know the group that's retiring from that now. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I mean, I spending my time in the school. I'm not. I'm not completely. Completely. I could give different theories, but I don't have any data to back it up. I don't. But, but so you're the data guy. So is it, is it, it's kind of obvious, right? So we're seeing manifestations of things. Something. Right? We're experiencing the manifestation of something. If we examine the data, we could probably figure it out. Yeah. But and why, why would I? Why would I uh, want to do? Uh, you know. Why would I want to put in? You know. You know. 150,000 know, 
light fixtures over a three-year period when I can, you know, do some sort of TikTok video and go viral and get, you know, advertising oh. money, you know? Yeah, that's like California Gold. I don't gold. play them. That's California Gold Rush thing. Yeah, we can go viral, but it's like how many of those people that came to California to dig gold didn't find any? Well, now you're talking setting expectations, right? Yeah. Expectation settings. Setting, which is across all our industries, uh, marketing, especially in finance. Uh, you know, if you show up at the, if you show up to work or at the end of the day on that deal and we're in, and you've shifted the numbers 10%, it doesn't happen. Uh, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, but one thing I've noticed and uh, looking at most people, Okay, we're talking about, you know, those who aren't as hungry uh, in the in all senses of the words, quote unquote, or those, uh, you know, who uh, who aren't as, um, uh, uh, you know, I'm Driven. at a loss for words. Right. Exactly. You know, but when you've got honest, hardworking people that are really doing their absolute best, you've got single parents or uh, uh, parents of young children uh, who have had to, uh, during this whole COVID period, uh, you know, look after uh, their children and, you know, and if you had multiple uh, different grade levels and, and managing their education online. And uh, yeah, I know we're a little past that, but I think some people are still having uh, some PTSD from all of uh, this uh you know, additional uh, stress and and uh, work put out by, um, you know, trying to manage everything at once. And so I, I think uh, really there's, uh, we just need to account for, and, and, you know, Chris, you brought up about suicides and whatnot. And, and, and I think uh, mental health issues, uh, just, you know, in general, um, uh, trying to lead people in leadership positions, trying to understand uh, their uh, individual employees and understand what they're going through and, and you know, and, and can, can shed a little bit of light and, you know, maybe cut slack on a certain day, you know, but I know those same people are really willing to give it all, you know, on a different day and, and more than all. And so, you know, it's a question of uh, just keeping in mind that these things are still going on and we're still suffering some repercussions from uh, recent times. And now, you know, uh, we just get over one stress of uh, health issues and now you're into another stress of inflationary times. And, you know, and, and it seems like it's it's just cavalcating and there's no uh, breather rest in between kind of thing. Crisis to crisis. <laughs> I, I, I agree that all of that you're, that's all true and there have always been there's always been crisis to another crisis we don't have to go back and name them we've all lived through them right there's all been these stressful periods of time in our life there for and and covid was a very stressful time but so was world war ii so was the war in vietnam so was the assassination mm -hmm. of china i mean there's like we yeah. all have those throughout and it just seems like People are more need a little bit more coddling, not right or wrong. It just seems, and that's what you're saying, that you want people to be a little bit more aware and to give. And if it's possible, you know, I always thought, and we always taught this, that 
our most valuable assets were really our employees. Yes. And we always right. did the very best we could mm -hmm. to understand our employees because we put a lot of money into our employees. And That's as a matter right. of fact, often our employees couldn't match the salaries that we gave them anywhere else because they were worth it to us. And what they were worth to us, they weren't worth to anybody else. Because, it, right? So I think that a good employer and a good leader knows that they're and it's going to give a certain amount of space to people just because it's smart business to do it. Mm -hmm. And then if you can add the human touch on top of it, it makes it better. But I think we're always going to be confronted with, it's not going to end. No. It's going to keep going. <laughs> well, uh, and so speaking of the flag of crisis after cri crisis, after crisis, excuse me, what should each of us expect here now that we're, we're coming into this recession? What, did, what are the expectations from your clients, Becca, that you're seeing? What's the expectation, just your baseline benchmark? Mid, we're mid-year. What's the expectation given COVID, given everyone else, and then around the room, I'm pleased from the different segments of the industry. So the majority of my clients are really hopeful, actually, because uncertainty does breed opportunity. And so, nice. so many of my clients are seeing opportunities. I have another, you know, I did yet another pitch earlier this week for launching a retail store much to a much broader audience. I have had three or four very important website calls for clients who are ready to expand their businesses because I do think the, the two-year kind of hiatus from expansion is now, it, it's now hitting that critical point, that tipping point in their businesses where either they're going to grow or they're not. <laughs> so, so they're choosing growth. So even though we have so much uncertainty, even though we are at a time of difficulty in hiring, labor, materials, all of those areas, my clients across overall and across the board are continuing to move forward in their expectation business. is growth we're going to do better than the growth is actually growth yeah despite it all with the right expectation with the right expectations and things move forward and that's where where i sit here on the brokerage side the expectation is fine deals i mean we expect deal flow either way but you know the cap rates might be a part. Maybe CPACE will help shore, shore that up money-wise. But for CPACE, there, there were the different grant programs to take advantage of. We'll see. Uh, Anna Maria, your clients, the people you're out talking to, the expectation oh, is to close these out. They're very hopeful. In fact, uh, you, uh, you know, just piggybacking on what Becca said about, um, you know, the now – coming out of this post-COVID era, they, they're wanting to do projects. They're wanting to go more green. Uh, we're getting more inquiries than ever before. And, um, you know, and, and so hopefully this this will lead, you know, to that next deal, to that uh, closing uh, uh, more deals uh, this year than before. And so uh, we're hopeful as well uh, in seeing the hope in our clients. And, and that's a very uh, important piece. So it's so from your two sides, nobody's slowing down. Just doubling down, speed up. We're all hopeful, despite, as you so aptly put it, labor. Let's see, supply, labor. Did we leave anything out? What is it? Oh, I it left out inflation and, and recession inflation, and, yeah. and increasing interest rates and all of those yeah. pieces. So I think they, they take longer. This is a trend. But people yeah. don't want to stop doing them. How's that? The people don't. Well, we can't, right? God, the only direction God gives us is forward. <laughs> so, uh, and and Sal, on a, on a more macro level, is the have expectations 
change for realtors from even the technology owners you talk with and ice and ice or we're just still going speed speed ahead no i think uh everything is still on track i think people are hopeful the and you know real estate values are not going to be a bubble burst kind of thing it's all local so i i think people are hopeful for the most part people i talk to that really understand finance when i ask them how it's going to be what they tell me is we've never been here before and so we can talk about whatever we want to talk about but the fact is we've never and when they what they mean by that is we've never been to a point where there was so much quantitative easing and the necessity for quantitative tightening came about at the same time that an increase in interest rates came about and so that puts us in a space where we've never been because we have the leftover of 2008 and we have the need of today, and that's a spot that they just can't judge. So while we're hopeful on the one side, on the other side, we're still looking very carefully at the financial markets and what might take place there, because we just don't know, because we've never been there before. I wish I had led with this question 30 minutes ago, because you just left me thinking on some things. We've never been there before. We've now, never been there before. Chris, the, from the construction side, are the, is the expectation change? I mean, can they just not finish projects? Or could you tell me which projects are not finishing and I'll yeah. show up and <laughs> see if you could just pop in. Pop um, in no, with Anna Maria. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, well, we're seeing. I'm seeing a lot of contractors, especially on the subcontractor level. There, there's, you know, going back to 2008, the ones who have been around, or the ones who were around back then, they're kind of like, hey, here we go again, you know, and they have that. They're there's no there's no lack of stress and there's no lack of ups and downs and ebbs and flows when it comes to any industry and especially in the construction industry so there's still an idea of hope i mean i see a lot of the contractors starting to share share labor when they can a little bit more working together um i see some of the older uh generation kind of passing it down to to the kids or passing it down to the next generation with the idea of the next generation understanding that they need to run the business a little bit differently i'm seeing a lot of different mergers i'm seeing um you know, companies let go of maybe one side of what they do, but holding on to, you know, another side that they consider their bread and butter. So, I mean, it, it, you know, I guess at the end of the day, we'll get through it and, you know, just got to kind of take everything as it comes and, uh, you know, and just kind of keep riding along. You know, I've had very few companies that I deal with that have turned around and say, you know, we're out, we're selling and we're, we're done. Um, and then I've had others that, have found ways to kind of sell off you know parts of their business if they need to and i've seen others like i said they're they're sharing labor the nice thing is there's a lot of even though there is a shortage there are a lot of people going into apprenticeship programs the problem is the number is so high that it's it's estimated to take about 14 years to to train the skilled tradespeople that can handle you know the the 650,000 plus spots that are open but you got to start somewhere. So, and you can't just keep hammering that number into people's heads over and over and over again. You're not just going to flip a coin to Saul's point. You know, this isn't going to happen overnight either. You know, it's not going to be an overnight thing where all of a sudden we're like, all right, we're good. Found them, found them, found, found a, you know, half a million last night. We're, we're good to go. It's just, <laughs> it is what it is. So just hanging in there. Everyone's hanging in there and I'll just keep trying to solve problems for the company as I work with. <laughs> grinding, grinding it out. Lack, well, it's, I, I find that to be the right term. Uh, onward and upward and moving through through the basics. Uh, it sounds like 
precision and, and clearing the noise as always is, is really selling off of different different functions is interesting because that goes back to my point about being specialists not generalists uh so i like that one i do appreciate that i do want to mention to our listeners i we got to the top of the hour quite quickly here um in-person events uh siri tech new york is coming in october also uh icsc chicago uh for siri tech because you've tuned in to listen to me speak, to listen to my great hosts and wonderful friends uh, talk about their unique sides of the business. We have 20% off for anyone looking to sign up, exclusive to us in partnership with Siri Tech. It's a great in-place gathering where you're going to hear from both VCs and prop tech companies. Prop tech being Preco and all the others. All this tech everyone alludes to on this call, but we never go in deep about it because uh, that's not what the call is for. So do check that out. Uh, and I want to thank Rebecca, Anna Maria, Chris, Saul, for coming, joining, sharing what you know, putting up with my microphone issues at times. I think the audio was great this month. Matter of fact, a little too good on my end. I'm hearing everything. Uh, that being said, I want to thank our listeners and Mr. Mendoza, our producer, as he leads us out. Please don't forget to check us out on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Like, rate, and review us, and join us not just next month as scheduled, but uh, third week of this month, we're going to talk all things debt with Inland Capital, uh, excuse me, Inland Mortgage, our Rendet. And joining us in August, we have Dan Wagner coming back to join this roundtable group and talk all things commercial real estate. Thank you for tuning in to this month's Real Estate Roundtable. Download our show anywhere you get your audio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, or simply ask Alexa to tune into the Creco AI Roundtable with Andreas Senni. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where there's a host of great content, including sector interviews and past shows, at YouTube channel CRE Collaborative, or visit us at Creco.ai, your all-in-one dashboard to connect, research, execute, and collaborate online. Please do remember to share, rate, and review us. It really does help. Guys, I want to thank you, Mr. Mendoza. Do you want to lead us out here? <laughs>